0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Of course this is November now in the uh, month of Thanksgiving and so tonight I'm planning to have a, a series of messages on giving thanks so tonight we're going to be looking at in everything give thanks. But this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercies to us. Thank you that you are new every morning. Your faithfulness is great. We thank you, Father, that you do care about us. and um, We're to cast all our care upon you, for you careth for us, for us. Father, we pray as we look in the word of God tonight, that we'd be encouraged as we consider this topic of thanksgiving thanks. I pray that we'd be encouraged, challenged, convicted, where conviction is needed, that you would be glorified and we'd be helped. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, giving of thanks is a common command written throughout scriptures. We we're looking at several of those, but there's many, many scriptures. You know, when you think about he says, give thanks. The word give means to present voluntarily, without compensation, without expecting a return. It's going to be what give. And the word thanks means an expression of gratitude, appreciation, acknowledgement. Uh, the, the, the words, give thanks, those exact words are used 80 times in scripture. Second um, 2 Samuel 22.50 says, Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. I will sing praises unto thy name. Talking about giving thanks even among the heathen. First 1 Chronicles 16.8, Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. And then First 1 Chronicles 16.34, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. So that word give thanks, exact spelling is used 80 times. Giving thanks is used 19 times. Ephesians 5.20 says giving thanks always for all things. That would be a parallel passage to 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and everything give thanks. So always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers. That word meet means fit, kind of the idea of fit. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Then Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of God, a praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know, that's a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes, sometimes it's difficult and it costs you the denial of the flesh to give thanks, but we, we are to do it. Uh, gave thanks is used 28 times. Nehemiah 12, 31 says that I brought the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks. So these were appointed. Uh, Daniel six ten, And this is an interesting verse. Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, of course that writing was really his death warrant. He knew the writing was signed. He went into his house, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and Gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So, you know, we see this command and this is common written throughout Scripture, the idea of giving thanks. But I want to notice several things from this passage of Scripture in particular tonight. First of all, the context of this giving of thanks. Uh, He says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And the context of this writing is, we learn from chapter 1 and chapter 2. In chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Much affliction. With joy. Despite the affliction, there's joy. You know, joy is something that's comes from within, happiness has to do with happenings. You know, things that happen to you today can make you happy. But joy is something that's within, that's is, is the source is deeper, it's of the Lord. And so he said they 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 received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, Uh And from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so we need not speak anything. So they they had, you know, the context of Paul's writing here was, you know, he was writing to a group of people that had received the word of God amongst affliction. Now, if you go to Acts chapter 17, we can understand exactly what the context of what he's stating here is. In First Thessalonians chapter one, uh, Acts chapter seventeen, in verse one. Now, when they passed through Apollos and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, which was where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening, alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead; that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Some of them believed and concerned with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So there was quite a few converts. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took on them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on the uproar, uh, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. It seems like I'm always in the middle of trouble. It says, And when they found them not, they drew Jason a certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received, and these do all, all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things, when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. So they received and Paul's commending them to give thanks. in the midst of this persecution, they, they had received the word of God. They had glorified the Lord with their testimony in spite of that. Uh, they endured physical persecution, persecution uh, harassment. They, uh, you know, the certain lewd fellows, you know, of the baser sort. You know, these would be, we would call them low lowlifes. Uh, you know, the riffraff of society. And that's, they, they kind of, you know. Kind of, it's kind of like hired them to, you know, things going on in our society, anything new. Anyway, hired them to cause trouble, and that brought harassment upon the believers. Uh, in fact, if you look at First uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter two, also in verse fourteen, when writing this letter, Paul said, "For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus." For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So these people had had suffered persecution, harassment, and and yet in the midst of this, you know, they are they are commanded uh, to give thanks for every, for all things in everything to give thanks for this is the will of God. You know, they endured, they struggled. And they, and they endured this, and they struggled through this without the presence and help of a pastor and teacher. You ought to have sufficient time to disciple them. In fact, look at chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored to more abundantly see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So, and we know from chapter 17 of Acts that, you know, uh, it, it, there wasn't much time passed and, and these Jews stirred up the lewd men in the baser sort and, and brought this insurrection. And, and verse 10 tells us of that chapter, the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas to Berea. So they left prematurely or before they wanted to. So these people were kind of left. Out of no fault of Paul and Silas, obviously, but they were kind of left without sufficient time to disciple them. So they weren't really well established yet uh, in the things of the faith. And yet they're, they're, they're facing this spiritual opposition and warfare against them. You know, think, think of the difficulties it would be to grow in your Christian life without somebody to teach you, without Bibles. They didn't have the scriptures yet in printed form. Without teaching materials, you know, we have a lot of books that people can read that are good helps, discipleship materials, and on top of that, poor means of communication you know even even uh, uh, Pony Express was probably better than what they had back then for means of communication uh, so so th- this left them in with, with with in in some difficult times, and yet Paul commands them. And, you know, this left them with questions. And and their letters, the letters that Paul wrote to them answers questions. You know, a lot of these epistles are written to answer problems, questions that arise in the churches. And, of course, they had questions about death. What happens when a believer dies? Chapter 4. You know, what about the Lord's coming? What what happens when the Lord comes to these that have already died? What's happened to them? Of course, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 tells us about that. And, and, and what about the Lord's coming? Chapter 5 tells us about it. And basically, 1st and chapters 1 and 2 of 2 Thessalonians. And, and, you know, they were even to the point, well, if the Lord's coming so soon, uh, let's just quit working and spend all our time uh, uh, preparing for the Lord's coming and just witnessing to people. And, you know, after all, he's coming really soon. And that was addressed in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. You know, they thought the Lord was coming really soon because Paul said the Lord's return soon. It is imminent. You know, we believe it's soon now. But we don't know if it's tomorrow, and we don't know if it's next year, and we don't know if it may be five years. He could come at any moment. But we're to take care of our responsibilities day in and day out, even as we wait for the Lord. We're to provide for our own. Even as we wait, and so there were some who were, had quit working because they thought the Lord was coming, and Paul had to write to address that. See, they weren't properly established in the faith, and so this is the context. You know, they, they had they had uh, problems; they faced difficulties right off at the beginning that that they had to overcome, and and so that that you know, could have been their undoing. And yet, Paul tells them. In everything, give thanks. So this is the context. Second thing we see here is a circumstance of giving thanks. It says in verse 18, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So, preacher, when do I need to give thanks? In everything. Now, everything is two words put into one. Every is a word of inclusion. You know, it kind of means all. All. Or each. Uh, you might say, I go there every day. In other words, you go there each day. Or I, or I have tried every flavor of ice cream they have. In other words, you've tried all the flavors. There's nothing left at. That. That's every. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So it means all. Every means all. All means every. So every. In every circumstance. And then he says, in everything give thanks. Now the word thing, there's several definitions I found in dictionary.com. It could be a material object without life or consequences, an inanimate object. It could be anything that is or may become an object of thought. You ought to give thanks in your thoughts. Uh, Matters, affairs, uh, a circumstance, a state of affairs, an action, a deed, deeds, events, performances. Again, it's a word that's conclusive. So you're talking about Anything and everything in life. We're to give thanks. We're to give thanks. So when life is going great and I can give them everything I want, I should give them thanks, right? Amen, brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When my life gives me lemons and my expectations are not met, And the boss is not happy. I should give thanks. Amen. Or oh me. Or the king just made a law which will. If I'm caught thanking God. Send me to the lion's den. And I should give thanks. Right. Well, Daniel 6.10 says, Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, and he went into his house, and his windows being opened, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So yes, in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Again, Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks Always for all things. Unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Hebrews 13.50. 15, I quoted that before too, says, By him let us therefore By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Sometimes it's gonna cost you. Sometimes the flesh isn't gonna want to do it. You've got to deny your flesh. To give thanks. Daniel had to deny his own will. To give thanks. For the king. His place of leadership. you know it was because he was in a place of leadership. That, that almost cost him his life. But God allowed him to be there. God put him there. So in everything. So when things are going great. And things are not going great. We are to give thanks. Because, thirdly, this is a command of God. This is a command. The command of giving thanks. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is the will of God for your life. To give thanks in everything. Again. That word give means to present voluntarily, without compensation, without expecting return. It kind of reminds me of Job. You know, Job lost his wealth and his family. And he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He thanked God anyway. Uh, he didn't expect. Uh, again, expressing gratifu- gratitude or appreciation. In the Bible says here, it is the will of God. And that word, the will there, will of, means what God has determined to be done. This is what God has determined that should be done in our lives. It's not always easy, is it? So it is what pleases God. Anything less is his displeasure. In John 5.30, Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear. I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And the will of the Father was that he would go to a cross, he'd deny himself and go to a cross and die. Be crucified. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. And, you know, to prove it, we have to test things. So we're to scrutinize. We're to examine and test things. Do they meet the acceptable will of God? criteria. Giving a thanks always meets that acceptable will of God. It is a command. It is what is acceptable. After all, Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are, and we are created. So this is what God has determined to be done by us. As his children. So when it says, this is the will of God, this is what God has determined is our practice, generally speaking. And he says, concerning you. So it's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In other words, with respect to, or in reference to, or as regards to, you and I. It concerns us. It's our concern. So generally it is that this is is the will of God or the purpose of God for all of us. You know, the, God's will for God's uh will for every one of us is not exactly the same, but in this situation in and under this topic it is. This is a general will of God. Now some we have some you know we each have specific vocations and things that God has called us to but, but this is generally this is the will of God for every child of God it covers everyone there's no escape that we would be people of God that give thanks in all things now you might say I don't know pastor how can we do that well If we understand our lives are in the hand of God, that he is good, and he works all things after the counsel of his own will. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Ephesians 1, verse 11 says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. So we've received an inheritance. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him. That word predestinated means, has the idea of God working to bring to pass in your life and mine. The purpose of him. God wants to work the purpose of him in your life. who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So, if we would grasp, and, and, and you know, this, this, is, this is not an easy thing to do, but if we would get a hold of the fact that God is working in my life, God is working in your life to bring about his perfect will in your life. And he's working things in your life, to fulfill that purpose now he may be cutting off some branches that are not reeling fruit he may, there may be some things that are hindering your, your growth and your service for the Lord that God says I need to get rid of that you need to replace that with something else There may be things that need to be cut off. You know, when things get cut off, it hurts. It hurts. Now, you know, I, I don't think trees hurt when they when Dad pruned them, but when, when something is pruned out of our life, it hurts. It's a loss to us, but it may be a gain for Christ. And that's what we need to understand. God is working to bring to pass... His will in our lives. And if we can, if we can get a hold of that, that, that we are in the hand of God, if we're His children, we're in the, in the Father's hand, John ten thirty 30 tells, tells us that we're in His hand, nothing can pluck us out of the Father's hand. And so if we're in His hand, that, and that He works all things after the counsel of His own will. In fact, that's kind of the idea of Romans eight twenty eight and 29. You know, that's verses are kind of thrown out and I don't think really comprehended what really that the, the depth of what they mean there because, you know, we, we like to focus on the good things. But it says we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, not that all things are good that happen in our life, but all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called, according to, again, his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. So he's working to bring to pass, to be conformed, to make you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, So, this is a command of God. This is God's will, what God has determined for you and I, concerning us. It concerns us. It has to do with us. So it is a command. Now I want you to notice several things about God's commands. Number one, we learn Sunday, God's commands are not grievous. You might say, "Well, this is hard. In everything, I've got to give thanks. Or I'm supposed to give thanks. That's what he commands. That word grievous means burdensome. So his commands are not burdensome. 1 John 5, verse 3. So if God's commands seem burdensome to you, I would suggest changing your outlook. Now, you need to ask, start asking yourself some questions. What am I looking for in this circumstance? Am I looking to promote me? Or am I looking to promote the Lord's will? Who am I looking to honor in this circumstance that's trying me? Is God in it? Did God allow it? Well, if you're a child of God, God allowed it. God allowed it. Now, and then they ask yourself the question okay, is God trying to teach me something in this? Or is God trying to keep me from something in this? Why did Paul get a thorn in the flesh? You ever think about that? He said, lest I, what, be exalted above measure. So really, I believe he got that, what he's saying is, he got that thorn of flesh. God allowed him to get that thorn of flesh so that he would not be worshipped. So he would not get the honor that was supposed to only go to God. I mean, according to history, they say he was as ugly as all good at. You know, what, whatever he had made him really ugly. They, you hardly stand to look at him. There's some kind of thorn in the flesh. But he said, Lest I be exalted above measure. So there was a purpose in that thorn in the flesh. Sometimes God allows thorns in our flesh for a purpose. We you ask ourselves, What's the purpose here, Lord? We need to ask ourselves this. Is there an opportunity of testimony here? Is there an opportunity of testimony? Is somebody watching? You know, these people at Thessalonica, their affliction was an opportunity of testimony. Chapter 1, again, verse 6. You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Those were regions round about, sort of like counties, I suppose. Uh, for from you sound out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so we need not speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols and served the living and true God. So there was a there was a... Testimony, opportunity there for them in this affliction that demonstrated the glory and honor of God in their lives. People heard the word. Why? Because they endured with thanksgiving. They rejoiced in the salvation they had and they endured the afflictions. They weren't bitter and angry about the hardships and fussed and fumed and complained and all that. So if God's commands seem to be grievous, let me change your outlook. You know, when Paul and Barnabas headed out on a missionary journeys, they took John Mark with them. John Mark was a young man. We would say he was probably still green behind the ears. And they run into some difficulties. John Mark decided he's going home. But, you know, Paul and Barnabas kind of looked at those difficulties as opportunities. I mean, here's the sorcerer, Edomus, trying to lead Sergius Paulus, the, the, um, he was a ruler in a certain area, away from the Lord. And, and, and so here's a difficulty, and Paul takes that as an opportunity to manifest the power of God and confronts him. Yeah, there was confrontation after confrontation after confrontation. You know, when you are living for the Lord, you're going to get into confrontations sometimes. People may not like what you have to say. We shouldn't be contentious. But we need to do it with compassion. Even, you know, even you... Even though the, you know, the Lord Jesus spoke with compassion, yet he got confrontation at times. And so, you know, and everything give thanks, an opportunity of witness. The second thing we see here is his command is his enablement. Notice verse 18 again. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of who? God. Now, we serve a God who knows the end from the beginning. He's all knowing. We call that, he's omniscient. That's the theological term for all knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. We also serve a God who is all power. All power is given unto me. Go ye therefore. Um, And this is, it says, God's will or God's purpose concerning you. Again, we understand that God's commandments are not grievous. God doesn't ask of us things that we cannot do. He didn't say they'd be easy to do. He did say you can't do them in your own strength. Therein is our problem so often. Look at verse, 50, or verse no, 54, verse 24, chapter 5, verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So if God calls you or asks something of you, then he's obligated himself to provide the means, the ability, the power, the enablement to do it. That's what that means. Notice again it says, the wording there. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. So who's really doing it? Is it your power? No, it's God's power. It's God's enablement. So God's command is his enabling. It's God's will concerning you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, You know, you ever wonder, how in the world did Paul do all the things he did? I mean, it's it's beyond reason. It's beyond reason that Paul could endure all the hardships, all the beatings, the stoning, you know, the whippings and, and the continual travel. And how do you, how did he endure all that? It's really quite simple. But it cost him his life. I don't mean he died because of it. It cost him giving up his own will completely. And he said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, By the grace of God, I am what I am. That gra- the idea of grace here has the enabling power of God. So, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace was upon, bestowed upon me, was not in vain because I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God, which was with me. So it was God's grace, God's enabling, that enabled Paul to endure all the hardships. That's why he told Timothy, endure the hardships of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he would tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, 1 Timothy 1, verses 11 and 12, he says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So here's what was committed to Paul specifically. Not committed to every one of us, but it is committed to Paul specifically. I thank Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. For he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. See, it's Christ Jesus, Paul says, that enabled me. Now, Paul was a learned man. I mean, he was, edu- he was more educated than all the disciples. It's believed he could probably speak six languages or more. He studied at the feet of the doctor of divinity at Jerusalem, Gamaliel. And he said, I count all that, but done. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. All that theology I got from Gamaliel... was not what I really needed. He spent three months in the Arabian desert with the Lord himself. You see, when God commands something of us, along with that command comes the promise of his power, of his ability. You know, the greatest ability... In the work of the Lord is availability. Not ability. Availability. Making yourself available to God. Surrendering yourself to Him. So it's the Lord that strengthens. In Daniel 10, 19, Daniel said and said, O man greatly beloved, this is the angel speaking to Daniel, Fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened. And said, let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. So Daniel, Daniel is praying for 21 days. He's been fasting and praying for an explanation of this vision he had. And so the angel appears to him, and he's fainting. He's so awestruck that he's fainting. It's like he's in the presence of God. And he says, the angel touched me and strengthened me. He says, thou hast strengthened me. You know, Paul would say in Second Timothy 4, when his, at his, one of his trials, he was by himself. In Second Timothy 4, verse 17, he says, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So the Lord stood with me, and it was the Lord that strengthened me. That was Paul's testimony throughout his life as, a, as an evangelist, a missionary. It was the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6, in verse 1. We then as workers together. So it's we. We could say we as workers together. With him. We're workers together with the Lord. Beseech you also that receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, the day of salvation have I succored thee. So the day when you need deliverance, God's there to help you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, By pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. All those things will require you a denial of yourself that He lists. If you're going to suffer long, you've got to deny your flesh. If you're going to show kindness, you've got to deny your flesh. If you're going to be pure, you've got to deny your flesh. If you're going to endure stripes and imprisonments, you have to deny your flesh. You know, some people recanted and didn't go to prison. That was what the Romans offered. You just offer a little incense to the Roman emperor, and we'll let you go free. Some recanted. Paul said not me. Stripes and imprisonments, tumults, labors. You can get weary in ministry. Fastings, so on and so forth. And then he says this in verse 7. By the word of truth. How do you do it? By the word of truth. By the power of God. By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on The left. You know what? You need the power of God. You need God's armor on your right hand. To guard you. Protect you. And you need it on your left hand. You need it all around you. And what does the Bible say in James? Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. See, when we submit to God, we are submitting to his power, his enablement, his protection. And therefore, the devil is resisted by, not our power, but by the power of God. See, it's God that can enable enable us to, in everything, give thanks. It is God's will. It is what pleases him. It is what glorifies his name. Even as the Thessalonians glorified the Lord before the lost world around them because of the joy they had in the Lord. Giving thanks in the midst of affliction. So in everything, give thanks. It's God's will for your life and mine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. Time of your word tonight. We thank you for how it challenges us and convicts us. Father, I pray that you help us to meditate upon these things, uh, to give ourselves wholly unto them, that we may be pleasing in your sight and be a witness and a testimony. Help us, Father, to uh, change our outlook and look and, and look on the opposition and the afflictions and the difficulties in the world as opportunities or the Lord working in our life to bring about his perfect will and maybe an opportunity to witness. So, Lord, just, just pray that you'd help us. Thank you again for your encouragement we receive and the examples you give us in your word. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.